All right, everybody, how we doing? Welcome to Wednesday night service, the night before Thanksgiving. Now we know who's really committed, because if you're willing to just leave all that food at home for a little bit and come out to church on a Wednesday night, you are the real deal. So let's give it up for yourselves tonight for being here. Come on. Hey. Yeah. You made a fantastic choice. We are going to have an awesome, awesome time tonight. Who is here for the Thanksgiving service on Sunday? Man, that was a great time, and uh, we had a bountiful feast. I was so happy to see that we had more than enough food because I saw the size of that crowd, and I was like, I don't know if there's enough turkey out there. But praise God, Jesus multiplied it, and we had a fantastic time. All right, well, we're going to open things up tonight by speaking some words of faith. Over the United States of America, let's stand up together tonight. Amen. Now, I'm going to need a little bit more excitement out of you guys than this, okay? I spent a couple weeks watching from home, and that, hey, I I, got to have more energy here at the church, amen? So we're going to pump you up tonight, and we're going to feed you the Word of God, but we got to be excited about what God's doing, amen? So let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise tonight. Hallelujah. You may be seated. All right. Well, I've got some announcements for us to go over. And, of course, tomorrow is the great big Thanksgiving holiday. We're going to celebrate that all day. But this Sunday, we are officially kicking off the Christmas season at High Desert Word Center. Amen. And, hey, if you don't know, now you know. Christmas is a big deal around here. We absolutely love it, and it's because Jesus is the reason for the season, and we know that if that baby had not been born 2,000 years ago, we would not be in good shape right now. But thank God that Jesus was born, and so it's a really, really big deal. Um, well, a few things. Uh, we have a theme this year. Every year we kind of have a Christmas theme, and this year our theme is called good tidings and it's based off of Luke 2:10 where the angel said behold i bring you good tidings of great joy and so we're going to be celebrating the good news the good tidings of great joy that uh, that came when Jesus was born and also i'm excited we'll talk about this more on sunday but we're going to be participating in a charitable cause as a church family we've got a charitable organization that we're going to hook up with and partner with this christmas season to bless a whole lot of people so i'm really excited about that so on sunday we'll be giving you some details on that how we as a church family can be blessed because you know that the lord has blessed us you realize that right that that hey 
we are blessed. God has provided all of our needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. The Lord has been very good to High Desert Word Center in 2021. It has been an off-the-charts incredible year, and we are going to do our part, amen, to bless and to continue to sow seeds for the future years. Um, We also want to keep reminding you parents that the kids are doing their Christmas play practice um, like every service. So make sure that uh, you have the kids here so they can have their parts ready and be totally prepared for the Christmas play. That's one of the biggest things we do every year. And also this Sunday night, instead of the regular 6 p.m. service, we are having our annual Christmas came early party. Yes. And so the party will be at 6 p.m. this coming Sunday night. Every family bring one dozen cookies to share. And that may, you know, that we've got plenty of cookies. Uh, The church is going to provide drinks and everything. Now, there is an optional gift exchange. You don't have to get involved with that. But if you want to, you can. And uh, that is uh, for kids 12 and under, uh, they bring a $1 gift for exchanging. And uh, anyone... 13 and up, that's the adult category, uh, they can bring a gift that's a $5 limit for the exchange. And it'll be uh, a really, really fun time with games and prizes and songs and ugly sweaters. It's just going to be a wonderful time. So be here this Sunday night for that. And of course, we got uh, the Christmas service in a few weeks, our candlelight service. We're going to do everything we can this year to celebrate Jesus in a great big way. So I love it. It is the best time of year. Let's hear it for Jesus tonight, somebody. Let's give him some praise. Come on. Yeah. We love Jesus. All right. Well, who knows what time it is now? Oh, yeah. It's happy time. And you're like, well, what's that all about? Well, we're going to tell you what that's about. If you need an envelope, raise your hand. The ushers will get you one. If you're giving online, you can do hdwc.org slash giving. We're going to open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. All right, Norma, you're the only one excited tonight. I need some help, sister. I need some help. (laughs) 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 6 and 7. I'm in the New King James, 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 and 7. Glory to God. And this is, uh, man, chapter 8 and chapter 9, these are some dynamite verses on offering. But 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 and 7, in the New King James, the Apostle Paul says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. What does that mean? He who sows a little bit, he will reap a little bit. You'll still reap something, right? Hey, I mean, if you give a little bit, you'll still get something back. It'll just be sparingly a little bit. But look at this. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. That means a whole bunch. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so we love to be cheerful givers around here. Man, I want to make God happy. I want to be a cheerful giver. And so every time that we get a chance to sow seed, every time we get a chance to give in to the offering or, or bring our tithe to the altar, it is a time of celebration. Because if you're like me, you know, I don't have anything that I got within my own might, my own ability. I Every good thing I have comes from the Lord. I am aware of that right now. 
everything I have comes from the Lord. And so if you've got that attitude, man, it is not a problem at all to tithe. It's no problem to give God 10% when you know he's the one that gave you the 100%. It's no problem at all to give into the missions or to give into the extra things going on around here when you realize it came from Jesus anyway. I'm just simply giving him a little bit of what he gave me in the first place. Amen. All right, let's stand up tonight. We're going to speak some words of faith over our giving. Amen. We do everything by faith. The scripture tells us that whatever is not of faith is sin. And so I want to do every little thing by faith. Amen. So let's say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. Okay. As soon as you're done dropping off your tithes and your offerings and worshiping the Lord, join us up here at the altar, and let's praise the Lord together. Let's give God all the glory and the honor and the praise that he deserves tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. We're rising up from the ashes. No longer bound by chains. You gave your life for freedom. Yes, Lord. We're coming out of the shadows. Your glory tore through the veil. And now your light shines upon us. Why? Because we are free. We are yours. To God be the glory. Lift up his name, to God be the glory. 
great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence that you never failed me. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence that you never fail me.
you are always true. You always come through, Father. We love you and we thank you so much tonight. Jesus, you said you'd never leave us or forsake us. And Lord, you've kept your word. You've kept your promise. We love you. Great is your faithfulness. Hallelujah. We raise your name high tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord some praise tonight? Amen. Amen. God is good. The Lord is good. His mercy endures forever and ever and ever. Aren't you glad that his mercy endures forever? Amen. That there is no end to it. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, uh, tonight, obviously, um, tomorrow is uh, you know, the big day, Thanksgiving. I'm super excited about that. One of my favorite days of the year. But it's not, you know, honestly, in all sincerity, not, it's not about the food. And, uh, and, and I love that, okay? Hear me out. Hear me out. But uh, really, what a, there should be more days of Thanksgiving in our year than just really one day set aside. Because I don't know about you, my life is really, really good. And it's not because I've accumulated massive amounts of wealth and because I'm the most famous guy in the world. It's because Jesus is good to me every single day. And I know that, hey, I've faced some things, gone through a few storms, even in 2021. But praise God, we always come out on top every single time. I've never lost, ever. You're like, what? What are you talking about? Man, thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Every situation, every hardship that I face, I win every single time. And it's not because I've got it all together. It's because Jesus has it all together. Amen. And by the grace of God, we always come through and we always win. And so uh, I'm just very, very grateful for all that the Lord has done in my life and in this church and in your lives. It has been a wonderful, wonderful year. And so the title tonight is this. The title is this. Always remember. Always remember. And, you know, we we hear things you know all, all the time these days about people speculating about, well, the problem with America today is this. And the problem with Christianity today is this. The problem in the body of Christ is this. And people say all sorts of different things. But really, I think one of the big problems that a lot of us face is the problem of memory loss. And I'm not talking about, you can't remember where the car keys are. I'm talking about Jesus parted the Red Sea for you, and he tore down the walls of Jericho in your life, and you don't even remember to thank him about it six months later. That's a problem. That's an issue. And I'm telling you right now, you need to remember the things that God has done for you and that Jesus has brought you through. And so I want to look at an opening verse tonight before we get into everything. And it's found in Isaiah chapter 46. I mean, come on. Isaiah chapter 46. Yeah. All right. I'm going to have to promise the internet crowd that there is a live, there is a live crowd here tonight. There. Okay, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 46 and verse 9. And I know they talk about that, that turkey, that, you know, that give you get that turkey coma, you get the itis from the turkey. Listen, hold on. <laughs> you haven't ate your turkey yet, so there's no excuse. You better be awake, better be awake tonight. Come on. So Isaiah chapter 46 
and uh, and verse nine. Praise God, and I'm just I'm so grateful, man, that that God has done so many wonderful things. I've seen so many lives changed this year, so many people touched by the hand of God, so many people healed, so many people delivered from addictions. I don't get tired of that. I love it every single day to see what God's doing. So Isaiah 46, verse 9, it says, Remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God, and there is none like me. I'm telling you now, you can search far and wide, high and low, near and far, everywhere. There is nobody like our God. There is nobody who can do the things that he can do, who has done the things that he has done. And you need to know that you need to remember the things that he has already done in your past. And I know that every single one of us in here can think of a time when God rescued us, when God saved us, or he provided for us when we were in a bad situation. And I would venture to say that most of us could think of several times and instances where he's done that. And you know that there's been times where there was no way you would have made it on your own. You know that, but Jesus himself came to the rescue and bailed you out of that situation. Jesus has brought me out of bad spots that I didn't deserve to be in, and he's brought me out of bad spots that I did deserve to be in. But praise God, either way, he has always come through for me. And so he says here, remember the things I have done in the past. For I alone am God, I am God, and there is none like me. And so I remind you that, hey, you've survived 100% of the difficult days and seasons that you've faced so far. Have you survived every single one so far? Uh, You're here, all right? So don't forget to remember what God has already brought you through. Because when we forget the things that God has done, when we begin to uh, just lose sight of all the, 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 the times that he's healed us, the times that he's delivered us and rescued us, we open up the door to some pretty bad things in our life. And so what I want to do tonight is this. I want to look at a few things uh, that happen when you forget what Jesus has done for you. And so, again, I think we should have 365 days of Thanksgiving every single year. But praise God, since we just uh, at least have this one we're dealing with right now, we're going to focus on a few things here. So let's pray, and we're going to dig into the Word of God for a few minutes. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we come to you tonight with grateful, thankful hearts. And Lord, we know, just like King David said, every good thing I have comes from you. And I, and I pray that we realize that tonight. And Lord, as we study your Word, as we look at the Holy Scriptures, I pray that you'll help us to keep our focus on you, keep our hearts on you. And I pray that you'll speak to every single person here tonight, God. I know that you want to get our attention and you want to remind us of some things that maybe we've forgotten or maybe that we've lost sight of. But either way, we ask you to have your way tonight and do what you need to do in the name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? So we're going to look at three things tonight about what can happen when you forget what Jesus has done for you. Number one, when you forget, you become fearful. When you forget what Jesus has done for you, you become fearful. 
and that's a, I mean, that's a bad spot to be in, and, and fear is a bigger issue than what you realize it is. I still see so many people bound and gripped by fear in so many areas of their life, and I hate that because the children of God, they, they, they do not, uh, they are not supposed to be walking in fear. Fear should not be uh, something that is controlling your life. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I've got a sound mind, brother. I'm not going to let the devil come in and rock me with fear. Not going to happen because I know what Jesus has done for me. And so I want you to look tonight. We're going to go to the New Testament here. Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Amen. And we're going to look at a, a story here of really the disciples. It, it's a little bit of a shameful story. It's a little bit of a story where you're like, come on, guys, you're better than that. You're better than that. Mark chapter 8, and we're going to look here uh, starting at verse 16. And we've got a story of, of the disciples. They're crossing to the other side of the water here. And it's just a silly situation. Mark chapter 8, and we're going to look here at verse 16. And these disciples, man, they were great guys, but sometimes they were real knuckleheads. And... Uh, and I, I'm glad that Jesus picked these guys because that means there's hope for me because every now and then I'm a knucklehead. And so I'm like, well, if you can use Peter, my gosh, if you can use the sons of thunder, you can use Pastor Dave. So Mark chapter 8, starting here at verse 16, it says, At this they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, why are you arguing about having no bread? So they're crossing the lake here. And they're like, oh, man, we forgot the bread. But guess what? If you've got Jesus in the boat, bread is the least of your concerns. This guy can do wonders with just a few pieces of bread. And so let's keep reading. He says, don't you know or even understand yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? I'm like, gosh, they kind of got under Jesus' skin here a little bit. And, you know, we know that Jesus had the warm, comforting, merciful, fuzzy side. But Jesus also was a tremendous leader. And sometimes a good leader knows how to say, look alive, wake up. What's wrong with you? Don't you remember anything at all? And so sometimes Jesus' best friends, his disciples, his ministry team, his, his people, uh, they, they could get under his skin a little bit. And so I can tell that they struck a nerve with Jesus here. Look at verse 19. So he just said, don't you remember anything at all? What about when I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread? How many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterward? Well, 12, they said. And, and when, when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Well, seven, they said. Don't you understand yet, he asked them. And so you realize that Jesus multiplied the fish and the loaves on two occasions. A lot of us are familiar that he did the fed the 5,000 that one time, and, and there was the 12 baskets of leftovers. But on a totally separate occasion, he fed another crowd of 4,000 with some fish and loaves. And they had the baskets of leftovers there. And so I'm thinking, if there is anything I'm worried about with having Jesus Christ in the boat, 
bread is not on the list. He has proved himself time and time again. And so we're looking at this, and, and it's easy to laugh at these guys, yet how many times has Jesus provided the bread in your life? And then here you come with a little hardship, and you're like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do this time? I have no idea. Well, hold on. Didn't Jesus come through last time? Did he, did he, am I unaware of something? Did, did, did Jesus leave? Did he forsake us and nobody told me? No. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he brought bread last time, he'll bring bread this time. There is no bread shortage in heaven. The bread isn't stuck out on some boats out on the coast of Long Beach, and we can't get it unloaded. The bread is available, amen? Jesus is so good at this bread thing, he said in John 6, 35, that I am the bread of life. Jesus doesn't have a bread shortage. And so if there is an area in your life where you're like, well, man, I know, but I I, I feel sick. Well, didn't Jesus heal you last time? Then what's the deal? Didn't, well, I know, but we've got this going on. Now they say there's a shortage of this, and and then turkey prices are up 27% this year, and blah, 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 blah. Listen, shut it. Jesus, if he came through last time, he will come through this time. Jesus doesn't change. And I know we're all like, yeah, yeah, I get that. But no, you need to get that revelation in your heart. If something changed, it wasn't Jesus, okay? And there's been times where I got to say, you know what? Something's changed, but it was me. It wasn't Jesus. I need to get my faith back where it belongs. I need to remember what he did because when you forget what Jesus has already done, mark my words, you open the door to fear operating in your life. You'll do stupid things like worry about bread, and you're forgetting that you have witnessed Jesus come through time and time again. I was thinking of this guy I worked with in Oklahoma. Uh, he had been healed of lymphoma cancer, a bona fide miracle. I mean, he, he the real deal, healed by the hands of Jesus. And it was strange because all the time he'd have these minor ailments and just be like, oh, man, this could be the big one. I don't know. I, I feel my, my chest is probably a heart attack. And just all this crazy stuff all the time. And finally, <clears throat> this one lady says one day, she's like, um, didn't you like, get healed of like stage four lymphoma cancer? Uh, why are you always afraid about, about getting sick all the time? And he's like, well, I, I don't want to push it. You know, I don't want to just assume that Jesus would heal me again. And I'm saying right now, I had cancer once, okay? And I'm not afraid of having it again because the same Jesus that healed me when I was three would heal me again right now at 36. And I'm serious about that. I mean that with all my heart. I'm not afraid of that. Well, that's crazy because you know that. <laughs> Listen, I know that Jesus is my healer, amen? By his stripes, I've been healed. And so I don't have to be afraid of these things because I am well aware that Jesus is in the boat with me and I've seen him provide bread time and time again. I've seen him heal time and time again. And when we forget what he's done, we open the door to fear. And fear is not something that the children of God should be playing around with. You know, it's crazy. Fear can become a sin. Do you realize that? That fear can straight up become sin in your life because you begin to believe something else 
more than you believe Jesus himself. Jesus says, oh, no, 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 no. I'll provide all your needs according to my riches and glory. And you're like, well, I know it says that, but uh, this over here, my bank account says this. Well, who are you going to believe? And when you elevate the word of something else over the word of God, that's pretty disrespectful, really. That, 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 that starts to get borderline like that's disrespectful to Jesus and his word. God has not given us the spirit of fear. And so when we begin to elevate other opinions, other things over, well, yeah, but these are facts over here. Those may be facts, but listen, facts can change. Jesus is truth and truth doesn't change. Amen. And so if the truth says, oh no, you always triumph in Christ Jesus, then I'm going to stick with the truth of God's word. And so I refuse to let fear come into my life. I refuse to let fear have a stronghold. And, and the more that I remember the things that Jesus has already done, the smaller and smaller fear becomes in my life. And so you're like, well, yeah, but, but last time it was only this big. This time my problem's this big. And I think about King David. We talked about this on Sunday. But David was a master of remembering the littler things that God had already done. By the time Goliath showed up, David was fearless, man. He was ready to fight the biggest battle he had ever seen in his life. And so remember 1 Samuel 17, Goliath's out there huffing and puffing and, and breathing down his neck. And David said, oh, no, the same God that helped me to be a bear, the same God that helped me beat the lion is going to help me take you down what was he doing he was remembering the previous victories he had already won now he had never faced anything as big as goliath and an entire philistine army but it was no big deal because he was magnifying god and he was remembering what god had already done in his life let me ask you tonight is there somebody in here that god's done something pretty big in your life so far I mean, you used to be addicted to something. You're not addicted anymore. You used to be sick. You're not sick anymore. You used to be controlled by something. It doesn't control you anymore. You used to be poor. You're not poor anymore. Jesus came through for you. Come on. Listen, I'm telling you right now, there is nothing in this world that should be holding you back right now when you remember what Jesus has already done. And so when you forget, you become fearful, and I'm not going to let the sin of fear control my life, all right? So the second thing I'm going to say is this. Number one, when you don't remember what Jesus has done for you, you become fearful, but number two, you become unthankful. You become unthankful, and it's just, it's heartbreaking to me to see a mass level of ungratefulness and unthankfulness when we've never had a more blessed generation in a lot of ways we've never had uh, uh more bounty and 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 more just we we are so blessed yet so many people don't realize this and so what i want you to do is look at luke chapter 17 luke chapter 17 are you still with me tonight amen do we have any thankful people in the house thank you jesus man I am so glad to be out of my house. Wow. Stuck in there for uh, three weeks with a bunch of kids. That was crazy. Good Lord. Wow. I mean, the sickness part wasn't even bad. It was just these kids everywhere. 
gosh. I love them, but man, then you got to educate them too. They're like, what in the world is going on? Gosh, that's nuts. Wow. So praise God, we made it through. So I'm thankful. Thank you, Jesus. I love uh, I love that we have children's church at church. You know what I mean? Isn't that nice to be able to let them go get ministered to and you can come in here? Praise God. Luke 17, we're going to look at verses 12 through 18. <laughs> Luke 17, 12 through 18. Now, here's a familiar story that we often share um, about thankfulness. But, man, what a – this is just such a, a, an accurate description of thankfulness. Luke 17, verses 12 through 18, it says, As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went – they were cleansed of their leprosy. Now, that's a big deal right there, man. I mean, they, these 10 guys, they've got leprosy. That is a gnarly condition to be living with. Your skin is rotting off of your bones. It is sick, and it's awful. And talk about being quarantined. I mean, you're quarantined for life. You can't be around anybody ever again. And so Jesus heals them. Think about what a life-changing moment this would be what a powerful moment so verse 15 one of them when he saw that he was healed came back to jesus shouting praise god he fell to the ground at jesus feet thanking him for what he did this man was a samaritan jesus asked wait didn't i heal 10 men where are the other nine has no one returned to give god glory except this foreigner. And so as we look at that story, I mean, a lot of you have heard this story, but think about that. Ten guys are healed of a fatal, awful, ridiculous disease, and only one out of ten even comes back to say thank you. And that, that's just incredible to me. And, and it seems nearly unbelievable until I stop and think about, hey, I've been in this church thing for a long time now, and I've seen Jesus really do some miracles. I've seen Jesus heal people of fatal diseases, restore broken marriages, return lost kids. I've seen Jesus just do miracle after miracle. And it's not that far from reality to say about 10% of people actually give Jesus some proper praise and thanks. I see it all the time. And I've seen it everywhere I've lived. And it's mind-blowing. To, to see some of the things that I've seen Jesus do for people, and then six months later, they don't even bother showing up to his house. They don't even drive by. Don't even drive by and give their nod at God. I mean, not even once a week. Come on. Uh, pe people just, uh, he, he, he absolutely, their life was in shambles. Their life was a wreck. And they called upon the name of the Lord, and Jesus dropped everything and picked them up and gave them another chance and healed them and restored them. And maybe for just a little bit, they're like, you know what, I, I, I guess I owe the man upstairs a little bit. Blah, blah, blah. And then whatever, man, six months later, they don't even, they don't even come to church no more. They read their Bible. They don't give God any praise at all. And I see that, and I'm like, that makes, honestly, it makes me mad. What an insult that, that, that Jesus the ruler of the universe, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, 
Jesus came and died for us. Jesus came and took 39 lashes on his back so I could get healed of leukemia. Jesus came and, 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 and just absolutely went to hell for three days and three nights. It says he was down there in hell. He spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly. He went toe-to-toe with the devil and with every demon for three days and three nights and laid it all on the line for us and rescued us time and time again, even when we deserved to be in some of those bad spots that we have found ourselves in, and then we don't even have the decency to say thank you. It breaks my heart. And I've been guilty. I've been guilty. But my God, shame on me for the times that I haven't given him praise. Shame on me. Shame on you for the times that we haven't given him praise or how quickly we forget. You know, oh, wait, you know, I've got a little distance between me and that situation now. I don't even, you know what, I, I, I don't even think about it. I mean, come on. If Jesus hadn't come through, where in the world would you be right now? You wouldn't be in that house. You wouldn't have that job. You wouldn't have that marriage. You wouldn't have that health. You would not be where you are without Jesus. And I shudder to think that I would be one of those guys. In this story, 90% were not thankful. 90%. And, then, and I see this, and it's like, man, only 10% are actually thankful. And then on top of it, Jesus says, and this guy's even a Samaritan. He ain't even one of us. Like, whoa, jeez, come on. And so, you know, I, I think one misconception we have about Jesus is we think that Jesus, well, well, we, well let me I word this correctly. Jesus is tough. Jesus is all-powerful. Jesus has thick skin, but don't think that. He has no emotions, and don't think that he just doesn't care. He's got emotions, and in fact, in this story, it, it seems as if it was hurtful to him. Did I, didn't I heal ten guys? Wait, what? Was only one guy? Nobody else is even going to say thank you? That shows me that he keeps tabs of who's thankful and who's not thankful. Well, I wouldn't think Jesus would do that. Well, apparently he did here, and well... Hebrews 13.8 says that he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if Jesus knew who was thankful then, he knows who's thankful now. And there are several times in Scripture where we see Jesus hurt and, and he wept. All right, John 11.35, when Lazarus died. And then in other spots, it says he, he looked over the city of Jerusalem and saw just all the things going on. And he wept and he hurt and he cried. And he took notice, and he saw people making a, you know, a just, just disrespect in his father's house in the temple. And he flipped the tables. Jesus cares, and Jesus has some emotions. And it is possible, I believe, to hurt Jesus' feelings. Well, you couldn't do that. I don't know. I don't want to try. But I think that, yeah, any Jesus, I think that any time you lay it all on the line for someone and sacrifice and give of everything that you are, and they don't even care? I think that it hurts. That would hurt me. Have you ever sacrificed to give a gift to somebody? You wanted to bless them, your, maybe your, your kids or your wife or your husband or somebody you care about. You saved up. You worked overtime. You sold things. You, you went the extra mile. You put everything into it, and then you just give a gift to someone. They're like, 
Oh, oh. And what? It's like they don't even care, and you put everything into that? Listen, there is literally nothing more that Jesus could have given for you. What else could he do? He gave his whole life. He he was tortured and beaten and ripped and scarred. He, what else can you give besides your very last breath? He gave it all. What more do you want from him? He gave it all, and for us to not be grateful and thankful and say, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yes, Jesus gave it all, praise God, but what I need right now is some of this. He knows who's thankful and who's not thankful. And I just want to examine my life and say, Jesus, forgive me if I've been an ungrateful brat at any time in my life, because I know that I have. Forgive me if I have not properly given you praise because I know that I have not given him the praise that he deserves. He deserves better than what I've given him. And I know that I can't repay him. I'm aware of that. How could you repay the only perfect person to ever walk planet earth? How can you repay uh, him giving his life? My life isn't worth what his life is worth. I can't repay him, but I got to do the best that I can possibly do to give him praise, to give him thanks and magnify his name. And come on, if he says, hey, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves, just show up to show up to my house and be with the brothers and sisters. Jesus, I can do that. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's hard. But Jesus, I'm going to do my best to do that. How can I show Jesus that I'm thankful? Well, Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, obey my commandments, obey my word. One thing I can do is I can at least do the best I can to obey the word of God. All right. And so the story of the 10 lepers, it shows us that unfortunately, the majority of people are probably not thankful to the level that they should be. I want you to see here in Psalm chapter 30. Let's look over there real quick. Psalm 30. Are you still with me tonight? Do you wish you were at home watching the Charlie Brown special on ABC and that Pastor Dave wouldn't pick on you on a holiday weekend of all times? All right. (laughs) Come on. It'll get better. It'll get better. Like I said, hey, blame the kids. I've been locked up in that house, and I just, I need out. I've got a lot built up right now. Psalm 30, verses 11 through 12. Psalm 30, verses 11 through 12. And uh, and this is, man, just, I, one thing I love about King David is he he was thankful. He didn't have everything together. He, he made his mistakes, but my goodness, he knew that God was faithful. And he knew how to give some thanks. Psalm 30, verse 11 and verse 12. It says, you have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. David said, I, I got to sing praises. I cannot be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. 
Now, I realize not everybody's loud and crazy, but you can't just sit there and be silent all the time. There's got to be a point in time where you open up your mouth and give some praise and some thanks to God. And so I love that David said that here. He said that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. And so David was taking a moment here to remember what God had done for him. And I know, again, I've asked, but I know, I know your stories. God's done some pretty big things for some people in this room. I've seen some pretty big healings take place in some of your bodies in this room. I've seen some pretty big deliverance. I've seen some pretty big miracles take place in this room. And so we need to give him some praise. You may not have arrived yet, but praise God, at least you've left. You're not where you used to be, amen? You're better off than you used to be, all right? And so the third thing I'm going to say tonight is this. We're talking about what happens when you forget what Jesus has done for you. Well, one thing that happens is you become fearful, and uh, and that's a, a bad enough situation right there. But the, le- leading all the way to this, number three, you become unfaithful. And, you know, that's sad to me uh, because, again, it's a progression. When you start to forget what Jesus has done, you start to, you know, you start to back off a little bit at a time. And in in, uh, Revelation 3, Jesus told the church, he said, hey, I wish that you were either cold or hot, but I don't want you to be lukewarm because I will just have to spit you out of my mouth. And that sounds like a crazy thing. But Jesus says, hey. Uh, somebody that's lukewarm, what's lukewarm? It means you are complacent. You are, uh, you're just on the fence. You're, 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 you're just, eh, whatever. And, 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 and that makes Jesus so, so turned off that he just doesn't want anything to do with that. And, 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 and nobody becomes lukewarm just instantly. It's a gradual uh, progression of events. And so I'm not, you know, I've, I've never seen somebody that's just hot on fire for God, coming to church three times a week, serving, tithing, giving, uh, blessing people, reading their Bible every day, and then just instantly pump the brakes, just instantly go from hot to lukewarm. It's a progression. You start to back off just a little bit here, just a little bit there. You start to forget just a little bit of the goodness of God. You start to no longer remember where you came from to where you are right now. And and after a while, you reach this place of being lukewarm. And that's a dangerous spot to be in because you eventually become unfaithful. And a lot of times in marriages that have grown cold, it's because they forget all the good times that they've had together. And all the things that they've made it through. And when you look back over time, and that's a beautiful thing about being married, you know, a long time. Praise God. What a testimony. My, you know, our goal, if we got married at 19, I, I want to make it to like 75 years of marriage. And then I'm, you know, I'll die at 95. That's cool. Whatever. But, but listen. I just want to be married for to be able to look back on like 75 years of marriage or something and say, 
man, look at all the times we could have quit. Look at all the stupid things that we made it through together. It's just beautiful uh, to, to look back and, 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 and reminisce and think about all the wonderful, wonderful times, all the things that you've been through together. And when you don't ever think about those things anymore, you, things start to cool off. Things start to, you know, you start, start to just eh, become complacent. And that's how it is in any relationship. Throughout the Old Testament, the Israelites would continuously lose interest and wander off. You see it time and time again. That's, I mean, the story of the Old Testament, you constantly see this where, where God does a miracle and God absolutely just does a life-changing thing and everyone's excited about it for a while. Then, you know, it's, you get a little distance between the miracle and where you are right now and they start to lose interest and wander off. And they became unfaithful time and time again. And in one of the strangest stories of the Bible, to me anyway, to, I think it's one of the weirdest stories in all of Scripture, but uh, God asked the prophet Hosea, he's like, listen, my people, they've broken my heart time and time again. They are continuously unfaithful to me. Hosea, I've got a special assignment for you. I'm going to use your life as an example, as an illustration to everybody. Hosea, I need you to marry a prostitute. And like, what? And yeah, read the book of Hosea. And so he tells Hosea, the prophet, there's this prostitute named Gomer. And I'm like, well, that's, there's so many red flags over this relationship. Not the least of which is that the woman's name is Gomer. So that's just, I mean, that's just a dead giveaway. Like this is probably not going to work out. Dolly. So anyway, so he's like, you need to marry old Gomer over here, all right? She, hey. She's a prostitute, but I need you to marry her, and and this is your life is now going to serve as a miserable example of what my people do to me. And so, time and time again, Hosea's good to her, you know, provides for her and loves her and receives her and accepts her, and then she goes running off with some guys, and then he's heartbroken, and and then she comes back and says sorry, and. And, and he forgives her and gives her another chance. And it happens time and time. And everyone's like, this is awful. Get rid of her. Dump her. Why do you even love her anymore? And, and God is speaking through this strange story and saying, hey, everybody that's judging them over here, listen, that's what you guys do to me. I take you back again and you break my heart and you're unfaithful to me, and you cheat on me, and you backstab me, and you and then I, res, I forgive you and give you another chance, and you do it all over again time and time again, yet every time, no matter how unfaithful and bad you are to me, I'm still faithful and good to you. Like, oh, wow, golly, <laughs> what a crazy example. But truthfully, that's how a lot of people treat Jesus, no matter how good he is to us, how many times he takes us back and gives us another chance, we end up forgetting and cheating and, and walking away. And I mean, I, this sounds so harsh. This sounds so cruel. But I want us tonight to realize that he has been so, so good to us. And I just know in my life, he deserves better from me. He deserves my absolute all. I want to look at one last verse here, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, 2 Timothy 2, verse 13, praise God, amen, are you still with me tonight, 
I haven't run you off or scared you off or anything, right? Okay, praise God. Sunday is going to be encouraging. Good tidings of great joy. Come back Sunday. You're going to love it. It's going to be fantastic. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 13. But it is, it is imperative that we recognize and we never forget what he's done for us. He's been better to us than we deserve, that's for sure. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 13, it's a beautiful verse. And uh, the Apostle Paul writes this, he says, If we are unfaithful, praise God, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny who he is. At his core, at the essence of who Jesus is, he is faithful. (laughs) And even when we've been unfaithful, my gosh, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny who he is. And so I I challenge us tonight, I, I remind us, I encourage us, I implore us to remember that God has been so good to us. And I realize, hey, we've got a house full of people tonight that, that they love the Lord. You guys love the Lord. And, uh, and you, you recognize, you give him praise. You, you're here, you're, 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 you're doing your thing, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. But I just want to remind you tonight how important thankfulness and thanksgiving is in your life. And when we begin to lose sight of what he's done, yeah, we do things will scare, we'll, we'll become fearful, we'll open the door to fear over things that should not be scaring us, things that should not be scaring us, and, 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 and we'll begin to eventually get to a place of just lukewarm and unthankful and, un, and, and unfaithful, and, and that is not how we need to be living our lives in these last days. He's been faithful to us. I propose that we stand up tonight and we give Jesus some praise, and we give Jesus some thanksgiving for what he's done in our lives. Amen. Let's raise our hands together tonight. Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much. We recognize, Lord, that again, we are nothing without you. We have nothing. We could do nothing. We could be nothing. But praise God, because of you, because of your grace, because of your mercy, because of your love and your faithfulness, We stand here tonight with the ability to raise these hands. We stand here tonight with the ability to lift these voices to you and give thanks and give praise. And Jesus, may we never forget where we've come from. May we never forget the miracles that you've done, the times that you parted the Red Sea in our life, the times that you tore down the walls that were holding us back the times that you healed us of that disease that was sent to destroy us, but you healed us of it. The times that that depression came that was so overbearing and so overwhelming that it was meant to destroy us mentally, but you broke the power of the devil over our mind and our emotions. May we never forget the good things that you have done in our lives, Jesus. And we don't, we don't only serve you because of what you do for us. We serve you because we simply love you. Jesus, thank you for all that you are. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for trading your life for our lives. And we know that we could never fully pay you back.
of Jesus, we'll do the best that we can in this life, on this side of heaven, to do our best, Lord, to live for you every single day. We love you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Amen. Well, I'm going to offer for a couple of minutes here tonight, I'm going to offer prayer to you if you need prayer for anything. Um, But I highly encourage you that as we pray for a few minutes, that, uh, man, you just talk to God where you're at. You give him some thanks and some praise. And if you need need to repent for being an ungrateful, you know, little dude, (laughs) then repent. Tell him you're sorry if you need to tell him you're sorry. Because, again, he knows who's thankful and who's not. But I just encourage you tonight to give Jesus these next couple of minutes, and then we'll close out. Amen. Jose, can you come up and uh, help me out with prayer tonight? Amen. All right. If you need prayer for anything, let's do that. And if not, just worship God for a few minutes. Amen. Confidence that you never. 
some praise together tonight. Hallelujah. Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Well, thank you everybody for being out here on the night before Thanksgiving. What a great time. You need to get home and get that turkey going and whatever else it is you make. Who's having mac and cheese tomorrow? Come on. All right. Uh, Praise God. Well, it's going to be a great day for you. I pray that your Thanksgiving is totally blessed and that uh, and that you just have a great day with your family and you put Jesus number one. Amen. It's going to be an awesome day. Then, of course, this Sunday, we're kicking off Christmas around here and all that. So get connected, be involved, and uh, and be a part of the family. We're a big family, and we want, to, we want you to be a part of our family. Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and close out, and we'll speak some words of faith over Barstow. And we're going to continue to see Barstow come to Jesus. Let's raise our hands tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in the word of God tonight. And, Lord, just like uh, the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5, Lord, we say that we will be thankful in every single circumstance, Lord. We will give thanks and praise to you. And may we never forget where we came from, Lord. And may we always remember where it is we're going Father, that we will be in heaven with you someday forever and ever and ever. And that is our destination, Lord. And so we love you and we thank you and we praise you tonight. You are good and nothing but good in Jesus name. Can somebody say amen? Amen. All right. Well, let's speak some words of faith over Barstow and then you can be dismissed. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good Thanksgiving.